0: Travis, should we talk about where Kevin is? Uh, I don't know. Should we talk about where Kevin is? He's just not here. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like somebody's probably sitting there going, man, isn't there like somebody else who's mostly on the podcast? They're not there anymore. It's true. Kevin is out. Tom is in for today, but Kevin will be back in two weeks. So you don't have to... He's not gone forever.
1: If you listen to Buzzcast because you love the sound of Kevin's sultry voice, he will be back in two weeks. I'm not taking over. I'm not the new... step Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today we have a special treat. We have a new co-host joining us, Tom Buck. Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started in podcasting.
2: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Podcasting has been a huge part of my world since uh, 2009 was when I remember like actively listening to podcasts. And it's kind of the same thing as YouTube where I was like, this is so cool. I wish I could do something like this not realizing that like, there's almost no barrier to entry. (laughs) And uh, so it wasn't until 2019 that I decided to start my own personal podcast. I had done a few through my job as a teacher, like producing and setting up podcasts for work. And that was cool to be on that side of it. But creating one of my own was something I had never done before. And I kind of just jumped in um, almost as a, a way of I'm so used to being a teacher and also making YouTube videos, both of which require me to be very succinct and very condensed and like polished. And doing a podcast was a way for me to do something where I could just go like long form and not be interrupted and really like dive into something. And it felt so good. It was like therapy. And that was what kicked it off. And then I ended up currently have like three podcasts Plus I get to guest host this one, which is the best one. Oh, thank you.
1: If we don't say so ourselves, yes. <laughs>
0: so Tom, you're a you're a high school teacher, correct?
2: Yeah, I'm a high school digital media teacher.
0: I love that you said I like a podcast because that's a long form. I don't get interrupted. And you're like, that is definitely <laughs> the that's something that only a teacher would say.
2: Yes. I can't I mean it's been weird this year because everything has been on Zoom so far. So it's you know, it's kind of the opposite problem. Like I almost wish kids would talk more, but in the regular classroom, even though I've got great students and, like, I feel my classroom management is pretty decent, I you can't go more than two sentences without having to, like, you know, pause and wait. Or I try not to shush because it's so, like, it feels so demeaning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, as a teacher, there's, there's just times when you just find yourself, like, shh, and it's like, oh, no, it's terrible. So <laughs> having a podcast, I can just complete a thought, like a whole thought. And it's wonderful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's cool. So like Travis said, the reason we wanted you to um, hop on the podcast today is because you're a new Buzzsprout creator. Mm -hmm. Um, You joined the Buzzsprout creator program. And one of the things we said before we went live was in our minds, I feel like a lot of people listening to this podcast, you're on kind of the same journey as most of us, except you're like a couple steps ahead. So you talked about your three podcasts. You talked about Mm -hmm. that you're a teacher. You also, the way we connect with you is through your YouTube channel. Yeah. It's funny you say that because anyone who makes YouTube
2: videos, and I guess the same is true for podcasting, but my relationship with my podcast is very different than my relationship with my YouTube channel. But on my channel, where it's mainly like audio and video tutorials, reviews, things to help people get better audio and video, I try to basically act as though I'm making videos for myself six months ago. So I just kind of think of like, what, what did I need help with six months ago? Was I struggling with? What were my questions? That's what I should make a video now. And it seems like that works really well because then the people who find it, it's like I I know them. <laughs> I know what they're going through. And then creating the podcast side of it was, it was almost to be an escape from YouTube where I spend way too much time looking at analytics and you know every number and every metric and i was like podcast i kind of just want to start a thing and it wasn't until several months after doing it that suddenly people were like oh i was listening to this episode and blah 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 and i was like you were you were listening to that and i kind of <laughs> forgot that that's a part of it like i was like oh yeah I put out episodes and then people do listen to them and it it has then grown into a thing which I mean, I, I have not spent much effort in promoting it other than like putting some links here or there because it's just kind of been like side passion projects, but it has grown a community that I didn't think I could grow through podcasting, but it's been it's been incredible and it's to the point now where even though I, I feel like I'm very good with my consistency, there's been a couple weeks where I've missed a week or like wasn't able to record an episode and people will send messages and go like, I was ready for my Monday morning thing and there was no episode. I just want to check in. Are you okay? (laughs) And it's that's, that's been, that has been amazing to me. And that's really motivating to kind of keep it going and make it a priority, even though there's also then full-time work and family and, and all of life, you know, that exists outside of it.
0: So just to kind of like recap some of this, you've got a YouTube (laughs) channel. Yes. That has something in the order. It's like 40,000 subscribers. So it's like, it's a decent size YouTube channel. Mm -hmm you have three podcasts you're a high school teacher during covid yeah (laughs) and so i just want to make sure like you're also you're a single guy who has all his free time uh no i'm married uh
2: (laughs) (laughs) we don't have kids we have two dogs those are our kids and uh i say that with pride though and luckily um, aside from just being genuinely awesome in general, my wife, who is the co-host of one of my podcasts, is a, like a content creator herself. So she does YouTube and YouTube coaching, which is great because she understands what I'm talking about and what I'm going through. And we're, you know, it's very similar. So when I say like, I need to go lock myself in the room on Saturday afternoon and like record myself talking to nobody... Uh, she's like, yeah, that's normal. You should go do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's
2: awesome.
1: Yeah, not the reaction of most of our spouses, I think.
2: Yeah, so I am very appreciative <laughs> of that understanding.
1: So I'm curious, like you are certainly, you know, down the pathway of being a content creator, you know, seeing a certain measure of success, especially mm-hmm. as someone who's independent and, you know, not getting a lot of support outside of just the content you create yourself. Right. If you were to go back to when you first started your YouTube journey, your podcast journey, hmm what would be the advice you would give yourself at that point knowing what you know now? I yeah, that's a great question.
2: I started my YouTube channel in 2017 and then my podcast started in 2019, but I think the advice could almost be the same for both of them, which is I I was so wary of strategy when I got started just because I like my number one value was authenticity and being open and honest and authentic. And I was so, I felt so bombarded with, you know, ads everywhere and sponsored content and things that seem authentic. And then you scratch the surface a little bit and you realize, oh, this is not what it seems at all. And I was so jaded by that. And I mean, I grew up like listening to, you know, punk and ska bands in California, which are all very much, you know, no big record labels and you can't sell out bro and like that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And that just like had been in my brain. And so when I started creating my own content, the idea was it just nothing can compromise that authenticity, which I still stand by. But what I didn't know was you can actually still be strategic and authentic at the same time. And just and if you're being strategic, it actually just means you're being smarter with your time and your energy. So It's going to take time when you start something new to to sort of get your bearings, figure out what you're doing, figure out who it's for. That's normal, but I would encourage myself like, "Hey, don't wait a year before you actually like admit to yourself that you want to take this seriously. Like, you can just start (laughs) taking it seriously from the beginning, and that's going to help you get your bearings a lot more quickly." And I wish I would have learned that lesson. It would have saved me just so much wasted energy, honestly.
0: So are there any specifics that you would kind of tell me, like, what questions should people be asking themselves if they are kind of like, you know, three steps behind where you are right now? I would say uh, sustainability
2: is key. I mean, I would imagine someone who's a couple steps behind me probably has like their equipment thing. I know that's a very, a very popular question is what gear do I use? What do I need? And especially when it comes to podcasting, it's so accessible and things are so good. You know, if you got your phone, you're good enough to get started. The bigger issue for me is sustainability. And sometimes people will have an idea Well, they'll go, you know, I want to do this podcast about this thing where I talk to these people about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, but you do, you could do four episodes. And maybe that's fine. Maybe you want to do like one of my favorite podcasts ever is S-Town, which is seven episodes. And I've listened to it like four or five times, like all the way through. So if you want to do like a limited run thing, that's cool. But if you want it to be something that you do for a long time, it needs to be something that's sustainable. Um, And that's whether it's a podcast or YouTube or anything. So what what can you explore? What can you dive into that you don't get tired of and that you could see yourself doing not just, you know, five or 10 episodes of, but 50, 100, 200, like before things really even start picking up. Because oftentimes you have to make 50 or 100 things before it even gets any traction at all. And I think a lot of people sometimes will make three or four episodes and then wonder, like, why isn't this taking off? Why isn't everyone finding it? Why am I not on the Apple homepage <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> or whatever? And so that that's sustainability. But a big fear that I have found in people is the thing that they're interested in, they feel is oversaturated. You know, they're interested in talking about technology and they feel there's too many people or whatever it is. And I think it's very important to remember that That might be true. There might be other people doing it. It might be a saturated market, saturated niche, but you have a unique angle, a unique perspective, unique experience. And if that's the thing that you don't get tired of talking about, that's going to make you able to sustain it like as as a marathon rather than a sprint. And that means I think you should just go for it because the thing that makes you stand out will emerge over time. And that's what's going to draw people to you and help you build your audience and your community and all those things that that really do let you keep going over a longer period of time.
0: I mean, there's some areas that, I mean, there's got to be 40 podcasts about guys talking about Apple products. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I'm always like, if whoever was the 41st to do it, you probably feel like a total imposter. Like, what do I have to say that's not being said by all these other people? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's not that you're talking about something they're not, because you're all talking about the same new iPhones, the new MacBooks, but you are bringing just a totally different perspective. If all of them are super techie and you're an attorney and you're going, yeah, this is how I use it in my work, or you're a teacher and you're talking about, Actually, this is a huge benefit because most people don't understand how difficult it is to get 30 kids with different computers using the same thing. Well, now it's going to be so much easier because of these features. You are bringing an experience that is unique and that unique experience is going to resonate with some portion of the audience. Yeah,
2: exactly. And there's also just the part of it that's you, it's sort of the intangible thing where it, even if you are saying the exact same stuff as somebody else, you know, you have your personality and your your way of doing it that some people just might connect with more than others. It's like being a teacher, I'm kind of lucky that I'm the only one who teaches my subject on my campus. So no one knows what I'm doing, which is great. Um, <laughs> but for for other teachers, and like I started as an English teacher, you know, if you have four sophomore English teachers, the curriculum is the same in all those classes, but you will have, you know, the same student might transfer between classes throughout the year and be like, oh, I really don't like this teacher, but I love this teacher. And it's like, they're doing the same content there. It's literally like from the same books, uh, but it's the approach that's entirely different. And it doesn't mean that a teacher's bad or good. It just means that personality-wise, perspective-wise, something clicks, something doesn't click. And the same is true for online content where, you know, they're just... I have found people on YouTube and podcasts where there's just something off-putting to me about the way that they do their thing. I'm just like, it doesn't, it doesn't land. And then I go to somebody else who's doing the same thing, but I just feel like that's so enjoyable, <laughs> and I don't know what that is. And uh, you know, everybody has that. That's going to be able to to build that
0: that crowd or that audience around you. So one of the questions we get pretty regularly are. Or- people want to know how their podcast is performing. And we have talked about this a ton of times on this podcast. We talk about it in our Facebook group and whenever we write a lot of our blogs and our guides, um, I feel like we end up pulling in a lot of data for people to compare their podcast. And it's not comparison trying to say like, are you better or worse? But just to kind of see if you're on the right track. And we realized like, you know, this was, Pretty popular that a lot of people wanted to be able to see it. And so we've got something new that is out by the time that you're listening to it.
1: Yeah, so we are now uh, on a monthly basis updating our Buzzsprout platforms stats. So if you go into your personal podcast, you see all your download stats and your apps and your devices and stuff like that. We're now every single month showing you all the podcasts on Buzzsprout. And how those apps are performing, and and what those median download numbers are, and you know the countries that are popular and the devices that are popular. So you can kind of stack up your stats and see how they compare with you know what other people are seeing. And we'll leave a link to these stats in the show notes if you want to go and check those out as we're talking about it. But let's go ahead and just go through these and just talk through some of the numbers for October. So I imagine at the beginning of December we'll pull in the November stats, Uh, but let's just Mm -hmm. talk about the October stats. So for all the Buzzsprout podcasts, we, in the month of October, saw almost 64 million downloads. Which, when we uh, sent the link to Tom, he was like, wow, Buzzcast is doing really well. 64 yeah, I was million like, <laughs> no, geez,
2: <laughs> I was not prepared for this. But that is an amazing number.
0: Uh, yeah, so you could see monthly downloads, um, how many episodes were published by Buzzsprout podcasters. We this is all this is a subset of people we call active podcasters. And it's just if people have pod faded or they're not regularly releasing, we remove them from this data because that really will skew it. You know, if we have a bunch of people who aren't releasing anything. But yeah, we've got a section. I mean, probably my favorite section is this podcast app section. It's pretty common. Like we see this in articles all the time. Spotify is taking away X percent of the Apple podcast share. Google podcast is growing and we hear all these numbers, but one or two podcasts isn't a good data point. Um, But across all of Buzzsprout is a pretty strong data point of, okay, this is about how well Google podcast is doing. So we want to just kind of go through this list and kind of give people a little bit of a taste of what's on this page.
1: Yeah. And I think the first app won't surprise people But I think depending on if you consider yourself to be knowledgeable about the podcast industry or seeing it from fresh eyes, you might have opposite reactions to the percentage next to this app. So the top app, no surprise, is Apple Podcasts. Uh, They've been the number one app since the word podcast was even a thing. Well, it was iTunes before and then they switched it, but same app. But the number next to that is 47%. So 47% of all the podcast downloads across all the active Rep podcasts came from Apple Podcasts. Now, if you have been following the podcast industry for some time, that seems low. Because typically Apple's in the 60, 65% range when you look at some of this other data. Uh, but if you're new, you could be like, wow, that's a lot. That's like half. Half of all downloads come from Apple Podcasts. And this is Apple Podcasts, the way that we have it on a
0: Mac, and on your phones if it's actually the app saying hey i'm apple podcasts when we get further down the list itunes will make an appearance because there are still people who are using truly using a software called itunes to download podcasts so it'll still be there and it's actually doing pretty well so tom do you want to take us down the list a little bit yeah sure uh i mean the number two
2: option is probably no surprise which is spotify at twenty four percent coming in um, and those were no surprise to me because those are the big guys. Um, what was kind of a surprise was then the how much the other platforms are like fighting over the ones and the two percents um, and that seems to be pretty competitive because like Google is at two point four just a web browsers 2.1 i was interested in, in actually a little bit further down is the buzz sprout embed player because i like use that on my website and that's 1.9 percent which i thought was actually looked like a good number for just people finding that embedded throughout the internet so that actually makes me excited <laughs> uh, um, yeah and then uh there's stuff down here that i didn't even know like instagram is 0.1 percent kind of way down at the bottom and i was I don't. I don't even understand how someone is actually getting a podcast on Instagram. So that was surprising to
0: me. We saw a few downloads started coming through TikTok, and I was like trying to figure. I was like, "How the heck is anybody listening to a podcast through TikTok?" Like, you know, there's some way that you can get a link to get to a web page to play an episode there, and TikTok is the one that's requesting the episode. And I was like, "Well, it's." There are five people that have done it or something, whatever the number Whatever
1: works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do know, at least for Facebook, and I'm not a heavy Instagram user, so this may or may not be true, but I know for Facebook, if you're in the app and you click on a web link, it actually opens a Facebook internet browser. Right. It doesn't jump mm-hmm. over to Safari or Chrome or whatever you have on your phone. And so if someone clicks a link from within Facebook and then listens to a podcast episode, we will see that as a Facebook play. Yeah. So if you have Facebook or Instagram showing up in your personal podcast stats, then that's a good indication that the social media marketing that you're doing is actually working. And so that would be a good thing, good thing to see. That's okay. That makes a lot more sense then.
0: Yeah. So just to run through them Apple podcasts, Spotify, then a massive drop off to Google podcasts at 2.4, then just web browsers in general. And then we get into some of like the very popular, not pre-installed apps. So the number one of those is CastBox at 2%. Um, CastBox has a great player. They have a really great team and we really like them. Um, Podcast Addict, which is the, I think the number one Android app for podcasting, 1.9%. Buzzsprout Embed Player, 1.9%. So that's when you put the Buzzsprout player on your own site. Uh, then Stitcher, who has been a big player in the game for a long time, 1.8. Uh, the Buzzsprout website. So that's if you don't have your own site and people are going to your site and listening there, that's 1.5. Obviously, that one is not uh, industry-wide because if you're know if you on a different podcast host, obviously, your Buzzsprout site gets zero plays. Um, <laughs> uh, then we get my personal favorite, Overcast at 1.5. And then I had to get this one in there. 1.4 of all podcast listens are coming from iTunes. And those are people who have not updated. This is how big that Apple is in the podcasting industry. More people are listening on iTunes than on iHeartRadio or Pocketcasts. They're listening to on an app that should have been updated years ago.
2: <laughs> That's pretty wild. Even more than uh, Pandora and Amazon Music, iTunes has taken more.
0: Yeah, it's definitely surpri- uh, was surprising to me, but it's, it's just interesting to kind of go through this list and see um, what else is there. Uh, are there any other sections that kind of jump out to you guys that you would like to talk about? The devices section is really interesting to me.
2: Well, it's sort of device and device type, which isn't really a surprise, but the top two devices are Apple iPhone at 64.7% and Android phone at 22.8%, which isn't surprising, but if you go back up to the platforms or the apps, it falls pretty in line with Apple podcasts and Spotify, uh, which it just kind of goes to show like how much the, the device type that the person is using plays into the app they're using to get your content. And then that goes down the next section below that is device type and the insane amount of people that, listen on mobile, which is almost 90%. So to me, like as a podcaster, that gives you a lot of insight into how people are consuming your content. If someone's listening on a phone, that might mean, okay, they are really using earbuds or AirPods or whatever, um, or they're listening in their car, which means all of those weird little sounds and plosives and whatever in your audio production might be a lot more prominent. So I'm like, oh my God, Okay. That means I need to really make sure to tighten up the the production side of things.
1: Yeah, and one thing that uh, every once in a while we'll get this question, or we'll see it pop up in these podcast industry Facebook groups, is what about smart speakers? What about Alexa devices? You know, it seems like everyone and their brother now has Amazon listening to them twenty four seven to see when they need more toilet paper. Uh, so when are we going to see this big bump in podcast listening on? Alexa devices. Well, right as of October, then percentage of plays that came from smart speakers, so that would be both Amazon Alexa devices and, you know, anything else that would be categorized as a smart speaker is 0.3%. Wow. So, so still like even though it seems like this is a voice first platform, it makes sense that if someone's in the house doing chores, whatever, and they want to listen to a podcast, they would throw it on their you know, Amazon Echo. It's still such a small portion of podcast plays. So, I mean, we'll see if this eventually shifts, but at least for right now, podcasting is very much a mobile phone-centric experience.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Travis. So, you can kind of get Twisted around the axle a little bit, trying to figure out how do I make sure that I'm optimized for Siri and Alexa and all these various platforms. I mean, we actually got an email from Apple recently that we'll, we can talk about this later in the show, but one of the things that they did include in there was how to optimize for Siri, which is a good thing to know, but you don't want that to become your focus. The thing that you should be optimizing for are your actual listeners, first of all, and especially their experience listening on mobile devices. Um, So a couple of the other sections in here, you can see the top countries and territories. This is going to skew to English-speaking countries, not only because English-speaking countries do listen to podcasts more, but because Buzzsprout itself is only in English. And so I imagine if you're on a podcast host that also was translated into Spanish, that you would get a lot more Spanish speaking countries or into Mandarin. Like if, if it just depends on, you know, I think that this is skewed because of Buzzsprout, but uh, 50%, 51% in the United States, 6.5 in the United Kingdom, 5.3 in Canada, 4.3 in Australia, 2.8 in Mexico, and 2.6 in the Netherlands, which to my great-grandfather who immigrated from Holland. He would be proud of this. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it kind of gives you a little bit of a feel for whether or not your podcast is reaching more of an international audience than Buzzsprout Podcasts on a whole.
1: Yeah, and I think that the statistic that most of our listeners will be very interested in, because we've talked about it before on the podcast, is I'm getting X number of downloads. I have this many episodes. Is that good? And that's always how it's framed. Is that good? Like, am I doing a good job? And quite often people think that the number of what a good podcast is, is much larger than than it actually is. They look at, you know, maybe other platforms like YouTube, where you see these creators that have millions of views on their videos and they think, well, in order to be a successful podcast, I need that equivalent metric. And they don't realize kind of the, the playing field is different with podcasting. And so, If you go to this global stats page and you scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see episode downloads within the first seven days. And so this statistic is representing when you publish an episode within that first week that it's live, how does your podcast episode stack up against other podcasts on Buzzsprout? And the median number, if we were measuring 100 podcasts and we picked podcast number 50 out, is 28 So if your podcast episode is getting more than 28 downloads within the first week of it being released, you are in the top half of podcasters on Buzzsprout.
0: And you can go actually see this exact number in your Buzzsprout dashboard. Our whole goal with pulling out this number was to give you one that's very clear that you can compare with your own stats. We're trying to make sure that you can see it as a one-to-one comparison. That if it's a daily podcast or you're publishing once every two weeks, that you're still able to do that comparison. This is really giving you an idea of how many subscribers there are.
1: Though you can never measure subscribers, um, this is going to get pretty close. Yeah, and we would med- we would call a sus- subscriber somebody who listens to every one of your episodes. Uh, which, you know, Tom, coming from the YouTube world, subscriber on YouTube doesn't mean quite the same thing. No, not at all. (laughs) You think like, oh, wow, I got 40,000 subscribers. Every video is going to get at least 40,000 views. And they don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as, as someone who spends a lot of time creating videos for the Buzzsprout YouTube channel, it seems like the ones that are like really special to you that you put extra heart into... Like, no nobody else appreciates. And then it's like the yes. throwaway one where it's like, uh, well, I guess I got to, you know, publish an episode on this Thursday. So I'll just make a quick one, you know, yeah. and just throw it out there. It's like, that's the one that goes nuts. For the longest time, the most popular video on my channel was a video that I
2: made from the time I had the idea to the time it was uploaded was under two hours. And that was like for over a year, the most popular video on my channel. And I made that video while I, like, there's another video I was making where in that video, I go like, hey, I think I'm going to make this other video now. And like, so I make the video in the video. And the other video was one I put so much effort into. And I don't even think it cracked like a thousand. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then the one that was just the afterthought was literally like the channel defining video for like a year. <laughs> so you never
0: know. <laughs> you definitely don't. So let's roll up this uh, list a little bit. I can go through this one and maybe you guys could do one of the uh, the next two sections. Top 25 percent if you get 73 plays in that first seven days of releasing something, you're in the top 25 percent of podcasts. Top 10 percent, 231 plays. you're in the top five percent if you're getting 534 plays. And you're in the top 1% of all podcasts on Buzzsprout if your podcast receives 3,263 plays per episode whenever the episode's been out for seven days. So all these numbers grow over time. Uh, We can definitely see on all of our podcasts, older episodes are often the largest because they've been around for a while and more people can find them. Um, but this gives you a stri- you know a really good comparison point to your podcast. If you've only been pop- podcasting for a couple months and you're starting to get close to that 28 number, well, that's exceptional. You know, I-, I often try to think of if these were real people that you could see, would you keep being excited to do your podcast? And um, I could tell you like if somebody asked me, hey, would you come talk about marketing to this group of 28? Well, I wouldn't do it now because of COVID, but if somebody <laughs> said, come speak to this group of twenty-eight people and talk to us about marketing, I would show up every week. I would not miss it. Um, especially if it took me an hour to do it and it was an and I gave them an hour of content. I would show up every week. But there's something about when it's on a podcast and you see it as a number, not as a person, that it can get very tempting to disregard it. And I guess I should say all these stats that we're quoting are IAB certified and compliant stats. So you can really compare these to your bus route numbers. If you're on another host, it may be slightly
1: different just due to how they are measuring everything. So next let's tackle the episode duration because that's another popular question we get like how long should my episodes be And the great thing about podcasting is there are basically no rules. I mean so the only rules you have to follow are if it's explicit you have to mark it as explicit but other than that you know and adding a title to your episode you can literally do whatever you want. but this is a very common question so we wanted to give you the breakdown of out of all the bus route podcasts where do the where do they land? And so for the shorter episodes, those less than 10 minutes, that's about 12% of all the podcast episodes that we see on Buzzsprout. And then as you could guess, 10 to 20 minutes would be a little higher, at 14%. And then the large majority, more than half of podcasts fall either between 20 and 60 minutes. So 32% are 20 to 40 minutes, and then 24% are 40 to 60 minutes, uh and then the super long ones over an hour are 18%. And so you could say that the average podcast episode on Buzzsprout is somewhere around the 30 minute mark. But that's still less than a third. So it's not like hey this is the magic number. If you have a 28 minute 32 second podcast, you will be successful. Um but we did want you just to see like the breakdown you know, of kind of what the episode durations look like. Tom, when you're putting your podcast together, what do you think about as far as how long they should be? I. That's where I go back to thinking about myself as a listener,
2: because obviously a podcast could be any length. But I know that for me and my listening habits, when I scroll through and I see an episode that's like 10 minutes long, I usually don't listen to it. Because when I listen, I us- I'm usually like... Doing something where I want to kind of live in that podcast world for a while. And so I love it when episodes are 45 minutes an hour, you know, somewhere like two hours, two and a half hours. Um, so I love kind of longer episodes. So I try to keep mine at about an hour. And I found that that for me works really well. It's manageable to create. It seems like that's what the people who are listening enjoy. Uh, it, this data is actually very like, comforting to see that kind of around that range because sometimes I'll you know sometimes you just come up short and you're like this episode's 42 minutes and I'm like oh is that too short and I know there's no right or wrong but it's nice to know like oh, okay no it's about the average of what everybody else is doing okay I feel better <laughs> so the next section is which is how often episodes are published, is very interesting because I think you can put a lot of pressure on yourself to try to keep up a schedule or, you know, really crank out the content. And the first stat is every zero to two days, so that's almost a daily episode, is only 7%. So not a huge chunk of people are doing nearly daily content three to seven days so that's kind of getting into that weekly range is 40 percent and then eight to 14 days is 38 percent so between those three days to 14 days basically one episode every week or two is 78 percent of podcasts which is it makes me happy to see that because i feel like that's such a manageable for the average person that's a manageable production workload Um, But then we jump down to 15 to 29 days is 14%. And episodes published every, you know, once every 30 days is uh, 1%. So very few people doing that.
0: And one of the reasons for that is if you go much more than 30 days, I'm not exactly sure what the number is, then we probably wouldn't consider you an active podcaster. And so you'd Mm. probably drop off of this list. But this kind of makes sense that, you know, that, Seven days is what we actually recommend because it helps you get in a regular cadence. It helps your listeners know when to expect your podcast. You start fitting into their lives. I mean, Tom said earlier, if he missed a week, people write and say, I was ready for my Monday podcast. And where was it? It's because I have podcasts that, especially when I had a commute, I was like, this is my monday morning commute podcast this is my thursday night coming back because it would always release by the time i was you know ready to drive home and it's really nice to have some of those podcasts that you can like look forward to through the week especially as you really learn to love them uh so i really like those weekly podcasts and then seeing the 8 to 14 days well that gets the uh semi-weekly podcasts and the people who miss sometimes, so maybe their average is like nine days. It's just because they're publishing weekly, but they every once in a while miss one. Uh, so they fall in that category too. Seventy-eight percent. It makes me very happy to see most people are landing. Three quarters of people are landing either in once a week or twice a week is kind of where they're you know, their release schedule.
2: Yeah, those are those are exciting numbers. Cause I, I did just want to point out too that at least on YouTube, one of the questions I get all the time is, you know, how often do I need to be uploading for YouTube to like, you know, help me or, you know, for people to find my thing. And at least in the YouTube world, it it, it really doesn't matter the way that it used to anymore. And you'll see and you recommend it on YouTube, like you'll get videos from 10 years ago that suddenly, it just thinks you need to watch that video now based on your history. And when it comes to podcasting and stuff, I kind of think that it's the same. I don't think there's a magic thing where I have done four episodes this month. So now Apple is just gonna promote the heck out of my podcast. I think though, kind of what we just touched on, it's more about you as the creator, getting into the rhythm where making the thing is a part of your life. And then equally as important, it becomes a part of other people's lives. If they're you know, if they just sort of randomly getting these episodes and they never know when they're going to show up, that's not going to let it become a routine where they do expect this day, I can listen to this podcast at the gym when, when gyms are open or on a commute when I had a commute or whatever, but it, it needs to fit into people's lives. And I think when you're just starting out or maybe when your numbers are, are not as big as you expect them to be, that feels presumptuous for you to think that I'm gonna make a podcast that's gonna be part of someone's life but you absolutely can and it absolutely will become that and they're not care they're not digging into your statistics and going like hmm this isn't in the top 50 percent of buzzsprout podcasts so I shouldn't be listening to it they just want <laughs> they just want the thing that you're making if it lands with them and the only way that they can find it is if you just keep kind of consistently making it out so long story extra long I I always recommend that people have consistent schedules, not for the platform or an algorithm or anything, but for themselves and the community that they're building around it.
1: Yep. So if you want to dig more into these stats, we'll leave a link in the show notes for this episode. And uh, if you check back in the beginning of December, you'll also be able to see the November stats. So you'll be able to compare uh, how podcasting is growing or, or how apps are moving around uh, month to month. And this will be something that we update on a monthly basis so you can kind of keep track of how the podcast industry as a whole is shifting, as you know, and, and be able to to see kind of how you're doing in the grand scheme of things. So, Apple just sent a lovely email to all the podcasters that have a podcast on Apple. Tom, I'm sure that you got this email as well. Oh, yes. Talking about their beautiful, wonderfully designed—I'm trying to think of all my Tim Cook words—embed uh, player that magical, magical. Yes, it just works. It's like magic. Courage. A, new <laughs> a new embed player that allows you to embed your Apple Podcasts listed podcast on your website. So when you go through a podcast host like Buzzsprout, or to my knowledge, basically every other podcast host, they give you some code that you can drop on your website to allow people to listen to your podcast directly on the internet, as opposed to going into an app to listen to your podcast. Well, now Apple has come out with their own embed player that you could use if you wanted to on your own podcast website. So just looking at this embed player, what are your just initial impressions uh, of kind of the design and the layout and how they how they put it together?
0: Yeah, I'd start with saying, like, I think this is truly an answer to Spotify's embed player. We'll talk about the big drawback that these have in a second, I'm sure, but Spotify was pushing, well, maybe now. Um, it's an answer to the Spotify embed player because Spotify started saying, hey, uh, why don't you put this nice looking player on your sites so It's got a nice Spotify logo. The one big downside to it was your podcast had to be on Spotify to get it. And two, when people click subscribe, it says, well, you know, the only place to subscribe is Spotify, right? And then it only opens Spotify apps. so. I mean, we just talked to these platform stats and Spotify is only a quarter of all podcast listens. So for three quarters of your listeners that stunk, you know, now they have to go and try to figure out what to, you know, how to find your podcast. And now Apple said, all right, well, if people are going to do this, that they're going to be putting Spotify players, they might as well be doing an Apple player. And we're Apple. We can make stuff that looks beautiful. That works really well. We." know more than anyone it feels like about podcasting and so they made this player um they too have added in the same limitation which makes sense obviously for these companies but they say oh i mean this is a very apple-esque thing it's like oh we we weren't aware that other people had podcast apps because they're like (laughs) the best the best way to listen to a podcast is on apple podcasts on your mac you know maybe on your iphone maybe on your ipad and so it just pops open the apps directly. Um, so that's the big drawback for this. Uh, but yeah, sorry to hijack that question, Travis. I mean, what do you guys think of the design?
2: I mean, it's. Uh, I'll I'll j- kind of jump in there. Apple, Apple's design. You know, I'm a fan. <laughs> I appreciate it, um, but it does kind of it, it bumps up against this question that I've had when it comes to embed players is. I've been actually wanting an Apple one in the past because that is where most people listen and it's where I listen to my podcasts and, and that kind of stuff. But I have always had the question of, well, what about the people who don't listen on Apple? What well, when someone goes on a Android device to your website and there's a player, yeah, they can stream it from your site, but there's nothing they can click to open it on their device. And it... um I don't know if this is the question or not, but it kind of highlights the important of importance to me at least of having a player that not only lets people play it from your site, but also lets them then choose where they want to then go get more of your show or, you know, then click the little subscribe notification button um, because I might be going way off topic here. So I apologize, but I, I've been using, I speak passionately because I've been using the Buzzsprout player on my website for a while now. For all three podcasts i have a podcast page three podcasts each one has a player and up until recently one of my podcasts was on anchor and there was buzzsprout and it bothered me and i even told kevin this when he and i first connected it was like the buzzsprout player looks so nice and is so functional and the anchor player like does not look the same it's not as great it's and it's very one note it's you can listen to this one episode on this one platform right here at the end Whereas the Buzzsprout one that I'm using, you can kind of scroll through, you can see a bunch of episodes, you can customize the color so it matches like the layout of my site exactly how I wanted it. And then there's a little button you can click. And not only do you have Apple and Spotify, but you can scroll through and like, um, Alden, you mentioned Overcast, that's like right there fourth on the list. So if even though that's only 1.45% of people listening, they can still in two clicks, get to their platform of choice. And that, to me, like, that openness, that versatility is hugely valuable. So the design is great. I don't think that the functionality is quite there um, from what I at least want on my website.
1: Yeah, and I see this as, you know, in addition to kind of answering the Spotify embed player when they released that, uh, this is almost like the next step from when Apple fixed you know, the viewing a podcast in a web browser page, which used to be terrible. Like it used to be completely non-functional. And then they're like, well, what if we took like a super light version of the Apple Podcasts app and formatted it to look nice in a web browser and you could click a button to open the actual podcast app. That's kind of what this is, but for your website. So the functionality is the same. You can see, you know, the recent episodes, you can... Click to start listening to one. You can't see the show notes for these episodes. There's, you know, so you can only see like the four or five most recent. And then if you want to see all the episodes, you have a you have to click a button that opens the podcast in Apple Podcasts. So it's almost like a preview of your podcast in Apple Podcasts with some limited playing functionality. Uh, so if you're thinking about should I use this embed player or my Buzzsprout embed player? Definitely you use your Buzzsprout embed player. As long as the guy who runs the Buzzsprout YouTube channel tells you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Until I change my
0: my tune. <laughs> Travis, can I correct something? Yes. It does have show notes.
1: Oh, it does have show notes.
0: Yeah. You just have to click on an episode and then it would start playing it on the side. And uh-huh. when you do that, it has the show notes right there.
1: Yes, but they're not formatted. And it they're looks not like formatted. You only
0: get a- you get a preview of the show notes. You don't get all the yeah, show notes. You get a preview. Yeah, maybe like the first hundred words of the show notes. It does drop the formatting, which is a bummer. I mean, I'll be honest. If Apple Podcasts was still the 90%, I would be very, very tempted to use this. But let's say if we talked about all these people who have Apple Podcasts, I think if you are one of the people who your podcast is about Apple you probably should be using this because your listeners are almost all on Apple devices or you're probably kind of proselytizing anyway and you're trying to get people to move to Apple. So this is a good way to do it. Yeah. I mean, it look I think it looks great. I don't want to say too much negative, except that it is tough to recommend something when it's going to be a pretty rough experience for someone who's not on Apple. Um, But it does have some good features. Like it's Uh, If people have dark mode selected on their, their device, it switches into dark mode for them. It's responsive so that it works on mobile devices and on desktop. It looks really pretty and it will match, you know, that Apple aesthetic. So it's got all of that going for it. And obviously it's going to be updating. You know, this is similar to the Buzzsprout player. It updates when you add a new episode, it's going to be there right on the top. And so you don't have to think, oh, after I publish, I go back and re-update my site. This will update for you automatically.
1: Yeah, and then when you go to the page where you can get the code for the Apple Podcasts embed player, they also provide some other things that are actually really helpful. So one is you can generate a short link that links to your podcast in Apple Podcasts. So if you're sharing links I mean, this is this is something that, you know, unless you physically take someone's phone, open Apple Podcasts and subscribe to it. It's like, how do you text someone a link to your podcast, Uh, especially if you don't have like a dedicated website? If you know they have an Apple iPhone, you can get this short link and just save it in a note and you can send it to people uh, to help promote your show. And then they also give you the badges, like the thing that says, listen on Apple Podcasts. They give you uh, the app icon, even a QR code so you can have a QR code. On a business card, and people can you know scroll over it with their their phone, and it'll open your show in Apple Podcasts on their phone. Uh, So there's some cool like uh, additional assets and resources for helping people find your show on Apple Podcasts. And so if you find yourself consistently promoting your show to iPhone listen uh, users and Apple Podcast listeners, then these could be some really great resources to include on your website, on your social media platforms, and those kind of things. What's the final word on the Apple Podcast embed player?
0: Well, I mean, I could answer this. Who's it for? In my mind, anyone who's using the Spotify player and you do not have a podcast that has a contractual relationship with Spotify, I would switch over to this. And the people that I know who are using Spotify player are mostly podcasters who I think they're on hosts that don't have a good player. And so they just want something that looks really good. And I think this looks better than the Spotify one um it's going you know spotify is half the size of apple as far as listeners so now you've made a better experience for a lot more listeners though i still in my mind i would still recommend moving to a host that had a player that was platform agnostic or if you like the host you're on you could use something like a third party player like fusebox um fusebox.fm i believe and that has a lot more functionality um, just because you want to make it as easy as possible for people to click that subscribe button and bam, be subscribed to your podcast. Any bit of friction we put in there is going to reduce the number of times that people do click through to your podcast.
1: So in the last episode of Buzzcast, we did a lot of listener questions, and there was one that we wanted to answer, but Alvin had a good idea, which was instead of us, Speculating on what the answer is, let's go right to the source. So, Alvin, why don't you talk about the conversation that you had with the the creator of Listen Notes?
0: All right. So, we got a question from uh, Jordan. Listen Notes just released Listen Score and Global Rank, and she was a little confused on how that all is determined, and just wanted to talk to it. So, I actually, for a long time, have used Listen Notes, and I feel like I've connected to Wimbin a few times. And uh so we got him on the line and I just want to ask you some questions a uh, little bit about what Listen Notes is and how you're doing all this. So could you just tell me um
2: so,
3: what is Listen Notes? Hi everyone. Hi Jordan. <laughs> uh, Listen Notes is a, it's a uh, podcast search engine and database. Uh you can think about it like a uh, IMDb for podcasts. So IMDb is a database for movies. And Listen Notes is a database for podcasts, and uh, we have a website listennotes.com. You, you can go to website and then search podcasts, search podcast episodes like how you use Google. We also provide an API for developers, so developers want to build app, your podcast app or websites, and they can use our our API to access to the podcast database.
0: That's awesome. I use Listen Notes because one of the really nice features you have is. You do a much better job at search than almost anybody else. And so if I want to learn about a particular thing, especially when I want to learn Mm -hmm. about a author in a book Mm -hmm. uh, that she or he has written, I can search their name and it's not like the name doesn't have to be in the title. It could just be in the transcript and other places. So you're able to pull back much better episode recommendations than I think anybody else on the web.
3: Thank you. Initially, this notes was a side project of mine, and I wanted to search episodes. So it was uh, early 2017. Uh, back then, I couldn't find a good tool to search episodes. So most of the podcast apps require you to subscribe to podcasts first and then find episodes to listen. But I listen to tons of podcasts. I don't want to subscribe to one another uh, podcast. So, uh, yeah, I wanted this tool, so I built it as a side project. And now I've been working on it full-time for three years.
0: That's awesome. I, I really love it because you have a really small team. It's you, and I know you've you've kind of worked with some other people, but mm-hmm. it's super awesome to see people who are kind of forging their own path in the podcasting industry and providing something totally different. I feel like everybody else is too afraid because they think maybe Google will come do it someday. Yeah, maybe somebody yeah. else will try to steal my thunder. And you've just <laughs> yeah. been cruising on and making it better and better every year. One of the things you just launched, so let's talk about mm-hmm. uh, Jordan's yep. question, the listen score and global rank. What are these? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So listen score is uh, basically a simple numeric value to estimate the popularity of a podcast. You can think of it like a uh, Nielsen ratings. Mm-hmm. So like Nielsen ratings for TV, and then we basically want a simple way to um, get a rough sense how popular a podcast is, and uh, the and, and the value is uh is ranging from zero to one hundred. The higher the uh, more popular. Yeah, and the global rank is basically to rank based on the recent score.
0: Yeah. So what I'm ser- what I look at right now for Buzzcast. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm which will put this interview on, uh, yep. buscast listener score is 41, and that's mm-hmm. out of zero to 100?
3: Yes, yes.
0: And what's going into that score?
3: So basically, uh, we develop a mathematical model to calculate the score uh, based on first-party data and third-party data. By first-party data, I mean like website activities, You can imagine uh, people come to our website to search, to uh, listen to podcasts, play episodes, uh, browse uh, pages, so we can get page views, and then people add podcasts to playlist, create clips, things like that. And by third-party data, uh, basically open web data like media mentions, if a podcast is mentioned by New York Times, Washington Post a bunch of online media. This podcast is probably very popular. right? And also a podcast could be uh, mentioned on social media, right? So these data are open web data. Anyone can look at the data, crawl the data and then uh, do some transformation and get some, some, basically it's it's to count how many times this podcast is mentioned. Also, there are websites, that you can find reviews ratings like iTunes and other sites. So this kind of data we also use. Uh, Yeah, there are a bunch of other signals. We couldn't uh, reveal too much because uh, we don't want people to gain the system. Also, we we would uh, change the algorithm. We would use different uh, data, different signals, or we would remove uh, certain signals Out of our calculation in the future, right? So this score actually exists for quite a while. We've been using this score internally for our search results ranking. It's one of the ranking signal we use. Yeah, it's kind of like a page rank or domain authority in SEO, right? How do they calculate this kind of number? Well, also they also take many signals on the open web. So
0: what we're doing is you're kind of combining things you can mm-hmm. see on other sites. You're combining yeah. how often things happen on your site. People search for that mm-hmm. podcast. The yeah. that podcast is a good fit for some of mm-hmm. the search results. Maybe people mm-hmm. are clicking or adding it to playlists, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what is a good score? I mean, one <laughs> of our podcasts is Buzzcast that has uh-huh. a listen score of 41. Uh, yeah. The other one has a listen score of 50 how
3: good is that that's pretty good (laughs) because most most podcasts uh couldn't score beyond uh 20 okay something like that yeah so absolute value uh doesn't matter that much it's a a relative score you need to compare with other score uh, other podcasts in your same domain like you are a post Podcasting company, okay? You, you, may, you may look at other podcasting companies' uh, podcasts. Right. Compare with, with them, yeah. Okay. And then Global
0: Rank, I think uh-huh. they're very related, right? Global Rank is yeah. just giving you a percentile for yeah. your listen score. So ex- could you explain a little bit more about that? That'll just tell you, like, compared to 100 podcasters, you're probably in the top 50 percentile or whatever percentile.
3: Yeah, we, we, we simply rank uh, by the listen uh, score, and if we use uh, top zero one po- zero point one percent, then it's zero point one percent out of one point seven million podcasts globally.
0: Awesome. So yeah, so how to start a podcast is a top one percent right now, and then like Buzzcast so, is two percent.
3: Yeah, we, we we only we only uh solid. Top ten percent. Okay. For, for for top 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 ten percent podcasts for now. Uh, because most podcasts. Uh, well, if if you if you are not in top ten percent, maybe you don't want to know your ranking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if it's pretty low, then probably yeah. there's uh oh. So if I look at like the daily, it actually goes beyond yeah. that. It says top point oh one percent.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's a okay. pretty popular.
0: Obviously. (laughs) One of the most. Uh, Well, that's super interesting. What should people do if they want to improve their listen score? Is there any benefit to improving their listen score beyond Uh, uh, looking good on listen notes?
3: Okay. Uh, My answer would disappoint you. Don't. Don't try to improve your listen score. Just focus (laughs) on creating good content. Okay. Grow your audience. Because we don't don't want people to gain the system. Uh, listen score is also used in our uh, ranking algorithm, right? If you artificially uh, increase the uh, listen score, maybe you will rank pretty high in our search results. <laughs> so please don't do that. <laughs> hey,
0: okay. So yeah. you heard it here first. Do not try to improve your listen score yeah. beyond doing anything except yeah. just grow your audience by putting out yeah. great content. Yeah. Um. Well, if people want to learn more about listen notes and especially these two new things that you've launched, where should they go? Mm-hmm. And, uh, is there anything you'd recommend them to read?
3: Yeah. So we have a blog, so this and slash blog. So you can, you can read some articles, uh, behind the scenes, how we operate this and those, and, and some of my, uh, very opinionated, uh, point of views. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I've seen, I've always followed you on Twitter, so I've seen a little bit of it and I love it <laughs> okay. good. We need more people with opinions that uh, (laughs) are informed by actually working in things. So I think it's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, hopefully we get you back on the podcast sometime soon.
3: Sure. Thank you.
1: Well, Tom, thank you so much for hopping on Squadcast with us today and and contributing to the show. I know a lot of people appreciated your perspective. Uh, Where can people find you online? Where's the best place to connect with you?
2: Yeah, thanks again so much for having me. Uh, the best place to find me is youtube.com slash Tom Or you could just visit my website, which is hi, my name is
1: Tom.com. And that URL makes me laugh every time. I say <laughs> that. That's phenomenal. That's like, uh, what was it when everybody signed up for MySpace and you get your first friend?
2: Do you know how often from 2006 to 2008, every time I introduced myself to someone to be hi, I'm Tom, they would say MySpace Tom. <laughs> and now I have flashbacks every time I hear that.
1: <laughs> like, I'm surprised that he hasn't reached out and asked to buy the domain from you. True. I mean, he's got the money for it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, hi, my name is Tom.com. And our call to action at the end of the episode, rather than going and checking out our YouTube channel, click the link to go and check out Tom's YouTube channel. He just did a great review on the new Shure MV7, which he was rocking today in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, with a slight modification which I imagine you may or may not see in a future episode on his channel.
2: Yeah, it's uh, the plosives. This is a great sounding microphone, but the plosives are a huge problem. And I put the windscreen from the SM7B on it, which actually almost like it works. Um, I mean, it fixes the plosive problem. It just looks a little janky, but it's not too bad. Uh, But it makes the mic so much more usable. So yeah, go check that out. And I'm sure that will pop up in future
1: videos as well. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time. That's it for us for today. And as always, keep podcasting.